Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Christians will say that miracles are possible and that miracles occur. In fact, we've done several shows in uh, the past couple of months on the issue of miracles. But today I want to try and deal with the question, if we say that miracles occur, then why don't they occur more often? I mean, you look at somebody like my friend Nabil Qureshi, who had what he would consider miraculous events in his life, particularly dreams and visions that helped him to ultimately come to Christ. And yet, the greatest miracle that he needed was a miracle that would cure him from stomach cancer, and God did not cure him of stomach cancer. And as you know, he died last year. After converting from Islam to Christianity, he died at the age of 34. He made a great impact in his short period as a Christian, but still, you might ask, well, why would God uh, demonstrate his presence in Nabil's life in certain ways through dreams and visions, but not when it came to healing him? In fact, we, we, we must admit something here, that miracles don't occur most of the time. We might be able to point to some verifiable evidence that shows that miracles obviously not only occurred in Old Testament times and New Testament times, and in fact, there's good evidence from history, as Craig Keener points out in his two-volume set on miracles, that miracles have occurred in certain areas around the world for centuries. And miracles even do occur today, on occasion. But why not more? Why wouldn't God, in fact, why wouldn't God do more miracles to show people that he truly does exist? I mean, after all, if God wants all men to be saved, why isn't he a little bit more overt when it comes to the miraculous signs that can get people saved? So we seem to be caught in a bit of a, of a, of a, a, a question here. If we're going to say that God loves everybody and God wants everybody to be saved, why doesn't he demonstrate his presence more overtly through miracles, through signs and wonders? And why doesn't he do miracles like healing people, someone like Nabil Qureshi, when we know he could have? That's what I want to deal with today. Uh, You have to go back and listen to the previous broadcast regarding miracles. Of course, we had two sessions with uh, Craig Keener. We had a session with uh, Lee Strobel in his new book, The Case for Miracles. I, I did a couple of sessions myself on it. But now let's deal with this harder question. I think it's a harder question. If, if miracles do occur, then why aren't there more of them? Well, first of all, let's go back into the Old and New Testaments for a second. In fact, we, we, we tend to think that miracles occur just routinely in Bible times, as if they're happening all the time. In fact, that's one reason why people today say, well, come on, that stuff's got to be myth and fables, because... If they happened as often as they do in the Bible today, there would be no question that God exists. But they don't seem to happen like that today, so maybe there is no God. 
Well, I submit to you that if you take a 30,000-look view of the Scriptures, you realize that miracles don't occur all that often in the Bible either. As we've said on a previous podcast or radio program here, that if you take all the miracles in the Bible, they add up to about 250, dependent upon how you count them, because some of them are bunched up. But let's just take from Abraham to Jesus. That's about 2,000 years. I know there's miracles on each side of that, but let's just say Abraham to Jesus and the apostles. If we take 250 miracles over those 2,000 years, how often do you get a miracle? Well, for you math majors out there, that would be one miracle every eight years. Yeah, one miracle every eight years. That's not very often, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, they don't happen that way. They don't happen every eight years. They actually occur in bunches. When God is doing miracles through people, he's doing them around people who are prophets of God and need to be confirmed as prophets of God. They're done around Moses, Elijah and Elijah, and Jesus and the apostles. Why? Because Moses has new revelation, so people need to know that Moses speaks for God. Elijah and Elijah are trying to prevent, uh, are trying to prevent Israel from apostasy, so they do miracles. And then, of course, Jesus and the apostles, they have new revelation as well. There's a whole new covenant that comes in. The ultimate covenant. The covenant that Jesus has with all people, and that is his sacrifice saves us from our own injustices, the evil things that we all have done. So miracles are done then as well. So miracles are not occurring frequently in the Bible. In fact, there are periods in the Bible where there's hundreds of years, there's no miracles. Why? Because there's no new revelation uh, that needs to be confirmed. Now, God may do a miracle both both in the scriptures and now uh, when it's not connected with new revelation just because he wants to highlight a message or he wants to heal somebody for whatever reason. But when miracles were done through people in the scriptures, they were done in those three time periods. And as I say, when you average them out, it's one every eight years. In fact, even in the New Testament, even in the New Testament among Jesus and the apostles, there are periods when miracles are not done. Jesus is in Nazareth in Mark chapter 6. It says he could do no miracle there except heal some people. Well, that's still a miracle, but that's still a miracle to heal somebody. But apparently he did not do miracles to the same extent in his hometown as he did in other towns. The disciples in Matthew chapter 17 couldn't heal a demon-possessed boy. Paul, the apostle Paul, left Trophius sick, or, or, or Trophimus, I should say, sick, and told Timothy to drink a little wine for his stomach. Now, wait a minute, Paul, if you could do miracles, why are you telling Timothy to take, in effect, medicine at that time? Because wine would help digestion, and wine was also used to purify water. Why, would, why wouldn't you just heal him, Paul, if you can do miracles? Maybe Paul couldn't do miracles after a certain point. Maybe the gift that he had ran out. I mean, why? otherwise, why wouldn't he do that? Paul couldn't heal his own thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 12. Now, now, we don't really even know what that thorn in the flesh was. We don't know if it was a medical condition or a, a, a moral condi- we, condition. We, we don't know, but still, I mean, if Paul could heal, why didn't he heal himself? And actually, we'll unpack that a little bit later in this program. But the point here is, is that miracles don't happen. How about the disciples 
let me say that again, miracles don't happen as frequently as we think. <laughs> why don't they? Uh, and why weren't the disciples who were persecuted, tortured, and murdered, why weren't they spared of that? Why didn't God intervene there? I mean, we ask today, why, don't, why doesn't God heal people today? Why, why do Christians, young Christians, die? Nabil Qureshi's one. Why, why does that happen? Why, why are people martyred in, around the world today for, for their Christian faith? Why doesn't God intervene and save them? Well, he didn't even save the disciples. Of course, he didn't even save his own son. Do we expect that we should get better treatment than God's son? Who came as a sacrifice? In fact, look, we, we just need to admit something. Miracles don't happen nearly all of the time. They don't happen most of the time. And yet we have evidence that they do happen on occasion. Well, why is that? Why wouldn't God do more miracles? Seems like he certainly could bring more people to the faith if he did that. Is that really true? Those are the kind of questions we're going to try and answer today. You're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. By the way, as summer is coming up, a couple of things I'm going to be doing this summer in terms of presentations are going to Summit. If you guys don't know about Summit, Summit is a place where you can send your young person, I guess about 16 to age 22, to get Christian worldview and apologetics training. Go to summit.org to sign up. There are seven sessions this summer. In Colorado, there's a couple in uh, Pennsylvania and Tennessee as well. All the details are at summit.org. It's not just me that teaches there. Many other apologists do as well. So you're going to want to check out Summit, summit.org. I'm Frank Turek. We're back in a couple of minutes to talk more about why miracles don't occur. Miracles. Why don't they occur more often? By the way, if you're low on the FM dial, meaning you're like below 92 FM, you're hunting around for some national public radio or something like that, go no further. We're actually going to tell you the truth here. That's our intent anyway. You're listening to Cross-Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Our website, crossexamined.org. That's crossexamined with a D on the end of it, .org. And if you go there, you'll see that we present evidence for Christianity and we cross-examine ideas against it. We also have a couple of Facebook pages. Please avail yourself of those, crossexamined.org and also Dr. Frank Turek. Dr. Frank Turek, uh, you can get a lot of our posts. We put out at least four posts a day up there. A lot of them are short videos, Q&A videos from the college campus. There's also uh, uh, streaming events that occur on there that you can avail yourselves of, particularly when we go to a college campus. We stream those events live, including all the Q&A. So you'll you want to see those when you get an opportunity. But you've got to like our Facebook pages to have a chance of seeing it. We also are on, tw- on Twitter, uh, Frank underscore Turek. Frank underscore Turek. Check that out there. And uh, we're on Instagram as well. we got all sorts of social media stuff going. And you can reach a lot of people via social media nowadays in our Our uh, social media director, Jorge Gil, does a great job at that. By the way, we just finished Advanced CIA. I don't know if you know what that is. Cross-Examine Instructor Academy. Just last week here in Charlotte, we had uh, a great uh, group of uh, people who have already been through CIA, the Cross-Examine Instructor Academy. They're trying to take their skills to the next level and take their ministry to the next level. Well, traditional, or we might say classic CIA, is still going on, and it's going on this August in Dallas, 
the 18th to the 20th, I believe, or no, wait a minute, what is it? 16th to the 20th. I got to get my date straight here. Let me, let me, let me go to the website and see. The Cross-Exam Instructor Academy is where we teach you how to present evidence for Christianity, primarily from our book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, and also from Greg Kokel's book, Tactics. Greg and I will be there to, to help instruct. It's, yeah, it's August 16th to 18th, Thursday through Saturday. It'll be Greg Kokel, myself, Sean McDowell, Richard Howe, Natasha Crane. We've just added her to the team. You know, Natasha's written some great books. One of them is called How to Keep Your Kids on God's Side. Uh, Brett Kunkel, of course, Jay Warner Wallace, Bobby Conway, Jorge Gill. We're all going to be there this August, but you uh, you need to sign up quickly or at least apply quickly. I don't, I don't even know how much room we have left. We've This thing fills up pretty quick, quickly because uh, people want to learn how to not only present, but how to have their presentation skills uh, honed, including their Q&A skills. And we do all that at uh, Classic CIA, the Cross-Examine Instructor Academy. So go to our website, crossexamine.org, and you'll see the banner. It comes up first on how to apply to CIA. All right, today, again, we're talking about miracles. Why don't they occur more often? I mean, if God exists and wants more people to be saved, why don't they occur more often? Well, let me, let me ask a question, first of all, about miracles do miracles always lead to belief i think when you take a fair assessment of the evidence the answer is actually no they don't always lead to belief and sometimes they actually lead to more rebellion and consternation i'm thinking of jesus in john chapter 11 he actually raises lazarus from the dead and uh, the Pharisees get wind of this, and not only do they, they, they don't repent, I mean, maybe some of them did, but the leadership doesn't, they don't repent, they get more rebellious to the point where they not only want to kill Lazarus, they want to kill Jesus. And Caiaphas, the high priest at the time, famously says, it's better that one innocent man die than all of Israel. I mean, he wants to sacrifice Jesus for his own personal reasons. One of them is to maintain and maintain his power as the high priest and to keep people from converting to Christianity. Uh, and another, apparently, he thinks that somehow he's saving Israel by killing Jesus. I mean, he raises Lazarus from the dead, and he, it, it doesn't cause him to believe at all. It causes him to get more rebellious and want to kill Jesus. So miracles don't always lead to belief. In fact, uh, if God displayed his power too often, if our hearts are set against him, we just might get more interested in suppressing the truth about that to go our own way. In fact, if you're not reacting to the light of nature, if that doesn't cause you to realize there's got to be a creator out there, there's got to be somebody out there that created and sustains all this, excuse me, created and sustains all this, if, if, if nature doesn't do that, then a brighter light of a miracle isn't going to do it anymore. If you shy away from the dimmer light, you're certainly not going to be attracted to brighter light. If you're turning away from nature, you're going to turn away from Christ if he were to reveal himself to you. So I'm not sure that miracles, in fact, I'm certain that miracles don't always cause people 
to come to faith. And I hear people saying stuff all the time. You know, if God would appear to me, if God were to do, God would write my name in the sky. Gee, then I would believe. No, no, I don't. I actually don't think that's true. I think that, first of all, God has written a software program that's 3.5 billion letters long in every cell of your body. All of your 40 or so trillion cells have this longest word ever discovered. It's much more robust than writing your name in the sky, and yet that doesn't cause you to believe there's a creator if you're an atheist. You're going, no, 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 that happened by chance. Really? Chance, yeah. Software programs don't come from chance. In fact, chance doesn't cause anything. Chance is not a cause. Chance is a word we use to describe mathematical possibilities. The word chance doesn't do a thing. It's basically a word to cover our ignorance. And by the way, it's not a God of the gaps argument to say that a 3.5 billion letter software program must have been caused by intelligence. Why? Because we're not arguing from what we don't know. There's no gap in our knowledge here. When we see a software program, we don't lack a natural explanation for it. That's not why we're saying it's got to be intelligence. Of course, we do lack a natural explanation, but that's not the only reason. When we see a software program, we realize that's positive evidence for an intelligent being. In other words, we're arguing from what we do know, not from what we don't know. We're not arguing from the gap in our knowledge. We're arguing from the fact that we know that only intelligent minds, only, only intelligent beings write software programs. So if nature doesn't convince you there's got to be a creator, further evidence of the suspension of nature, i.e. a miracle, or the overpowering of nature, a miracle, isn't going to cause most people to become Christians. And if it did, I think God would do such a miracle to convince them. Now, still, we're still left with the question, why don't miracles occur more often? We've got evidence that they have occurred. In fact, the greatest miracle of all is the creation of the universe out of nothing. If that miracle has occurred, every other miracle in the Bible is possible. If Genesis 1-1 is true, every other verse is at least possible. And Genesis 1-1 is true. Even atheists are admitting the universe had a beginning. They try and come up with some other explanation other than God. I think they fail. But the main point is they're admitting the data that space, time, and matter had a beginning out of nothing. Which means the cause must be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, and intelligent. Those are the same attributes we would call God. Now, we don't know from just the creation of the universe whether or not this is the Christian God. It might be. But we certainly know there's, there, there, there's a being with these kinds of, of characteristics that transcends the universe just by the sheer force of, of logic. Saying that if space, matter, and time had a beginning, the cause must transcend space, matter, and time. So, we know miracles are possible. We know the greatest miracle has occurred. Why doesn't God do miracles more often? Some will say, well, it's because of a lack of faith. Really? First of all, I think the, uh, I think the word of faith movement ha- has it completely wrong when it comes to this kind of thing. Why? Well, first of all, there are many miracles that require no faith at all. Like, for example, Lazarus had no faith because <laughs> he was dead. Jesus rose him from the dead. There was no faith necessary in that case. Secondly, to say that, well, if you're not healthy and wealthy, you don't have enough faith. And if you just had enough faith, you would be healthy and wealthy, contradicts just about the entire tenor of Scripture in, in many ways. One way is, is that 
We are not in control of miracles. God is in control. When we pray, we don't pray my will be done. We pray thy will be done. You see, miracles are dependent on God's will, not ours. So it's not my will be done. It's thy will be done. Secondly, Jesus and the apostles weren't healthy and wealthy. Don't tell me they didn't have enough faith. I mean, the entire word of faith movement is contradicted by that one simple observation. The very people who had the most faith are the very people that suffered horribly. They were martyred for their faith. So, Jesus and the apostles died brutal deaths, having plenty of faith, yet they were the ones that said, rightfully so, that we will experience persecution. Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Paul said, everyone who lives a righteous life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, the point is, is that not everybody's healed. Most people are not healed. And God controls miracles. So, why don't more miracles occur? Well, here's one possibility. If miracles occurred more often, we'd consider them natural events. You see, the very fact that we can recognize a miracle is because a miracle must be recognized against the backdrop of regular events. If miracles occurred routinely, we wouldn't think they were miracles. We would think they were some sort of natural event. Which means the resurrection of Christ would be ignored. And all the miracles that confirm Christ and the apostles would be ignored. I mean, if these things occurred more frequently, we'd say, hey, this stuff happens all the time. Or it happens a lot more frequently. There's no reason to consider this special. I mean, if resurrections occurred routinely, what would the resurrection of Christ mean to us? Nothing. You go to somebody and you go, Jesus rose from the dead to prove he was God. And so by trusting in him, you can have your sins forgiven. Jesus rose from the dead for you. The guy goes, so what? Uncle Leroy rose from the dead two weeks ago. Now I got to give the inheritance back. No, it can't be a regular event. It's got to be an extremely rare event in order to get our attention. And it can, we can, only, it can only get our attention if it stands out against the backdrop of regular events the way natural processes normally work. People don't rise from the dead. So it's got to be a special event to raise somebody from the dead. So that's one reason maybe miracles don't occur more frequently. They wouldn't stand out and get our attention if they did occur more frequently. There are many more. We'll cover them right after the break. You're listening to Cross-Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Our website, crossexamined.org. We're back in two. Don't go away. Why don't miracles occur more frequently? You're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. We pointed out that if they occurred more frequently, we'd consider them sort of natural events or like natural events. They wouldn't stand out against the backdrop of natural processes that cause things to occur in a regular way. The only way you could determine a special event is against the backdrop of regular events. Also, I think we have to keep in mind that this earth is not heaven yet. That's the whole story of Christianity in reality, when you think about it. The fact that 
Christianity is fall. Christianity admits the world has fallen. That's why Christ had to come. This isn't heaven on earth yet. One day, earth will be transformed and it will be heaven. But right now, it's not. And we shouldn't expect it to be. We shouldn't expect everything to go our way. We shouldn't expect that we never get sick or that we never die. This earth is a fallen earth. It's a fallen world. In fact, if you look at the big picture of Christianity, that's what Christianity is about, righting the wrongs in this world. And it won't, they won't be completely righted until the end of time, when a new heaven and new earth are created. And just to be clear, ulti- our ultimate destination is not some ethereal, uh, ethereal presence, non-bodily presence, like a ghost-like presence, that, that's not our ultimate reality. Our ultimate reality is to get a physical resurrected body that's indestructible and to live in a physical place, a new heaven and a new earth. New heavens and new earth. That's our ultimate destiny. Now, it's true. If we die before Christ's return, we will be absent from the body but present with the Lord, so we will be in some spiritual state. But our ultimate destiny is to be resurrected. Because what is lost in Genesis is regained in Revelation. This is a physical world that will be physically restored. It fell, but it's going to be physically restored. In fact, if you really think about it, every worldview is trying to deal with the problem of evil. And only Christianity can do it. The story of Christianity is really a story about dealing with the problem of evil. That things are going to be restored that there won't be any sickness, there won't be any death, there won't be any natural disasters that can hurt us, there won't be any sin. And as I've mentioned on previous programs, when you look at Jesus' miracles, they're in four basic categories. First of all, he's sinless. Secondly, he has power over nature. Why? Because nature can hurt us. And, and he, he's the Lord over all things. He created nature, he created the natural world, he created and sustains the natural laws and and can interrupt them whenever he wants. Also, he has power over sickness, and he has power over death. Those four areas, sin, nature, sickness, and death. Jesus has power over all these things. Why? Because he's demonstrating he's the Messiah. He's the one that can end our problems in those four areas, in sin, in nature, in sickness, and in death. He has power over all these things. He's the Messiah. That's why he has power over them. So Jesus is ultimately going to make this earth a heaven, but it's not heaven yet, so we shouldn't expect everything's going to go our way. We shouldn't expect miracles to rescue us frequently. On occasion, perhaps, but generally, we're all going to get sick. We're all going to die, unless Christ comes before that. We're all going to have trouble. This is promised. We shouldn't expect miracles to rescue us most of the time, and that's exactly what we see. Also, if miracles occurred more frequently, or if miracles were completely under our control, who would die and graduate to heaven? I mean, nobody, right? Grandma gets sick. You got the power of miracles, you pray. She's healed. Who would ever die? Come on, leave grandma alone. She's 613 years old. She wants to go be with Jesus. Sorry, I, got, I can do miracles. I'm not going to let her go. I mean... There's a point where 
people have to graduate to heaven and we would not let them if we had the power to do miracles. God does not give us the power to do miracles, at least not routinely anyway, in a very rare instance perhaps, but no, most of the time, no. God is in control. It's his plan, not our plan. Thy will be done, not my will be done. Also, another reason miracles don't occur more frequently or they're not under our control is because if miracles were under our control, many of our choices wouldn't have consequences. We could be completely reckless. You could drive to work at 200 miles an hour if you had a car that went that fast. If you ran over people, no problem. I'll just resurrect you. You're fine. Don't worry about it. We would have, we would have no consequences. We could, we could do all sorts of things that were evil, and then we could cover our tracks with miracles, which means we would never grow in Christ. We would never learn from our negative behaviors. We would simply cover up or reverse the negative aspects of our behavior by being able to do miracles, which means this wouldn't really be a moral universe and we wouldn't be conformed to the image of Christ. We would never learn from anything. We would simply manipulate the consequences of our actions by having the power to do miracles. Another reason that miracles are not under our control or they don't occur more frequently is because if they were under our control, I think we'd become even more selfish and entitled. Even more selfish than we already are. I mean, think about this. What would happen to you if you got your way all the time? Everything you wanted, you got. I mean, what would happen to you? I know what would happen to me. I'd become even more of a moral monster than I already am. It would become even more about me than it already is. Hey, I'm not getting something. I, I'm, I, I need it. I'm going to snap my fingers and it's going to be here. With our fallen nature, that would make us even more selfish and entitled. Now, perhaps when we get to heaven, we don't have the fallen nature. Maybe this is not a problem anymore. But with our fallen nature now, if we could do miracles and grant whatever we wanted at any time, We'd become even more selfish and entitled. It would be less about, we'd be less concerned with others. We'd be less loving. We'd be more selfish and more entitled, which means personal and moral growth would be thwarted. Our, one of the reasons we're here is to become more like Jesus. And sometimes in order to become more virtuous, you have to go through difficulty. It's hard to develop courage without danger. It's hard to develop patience without, without obstacles in your way. It's hard to do these things unless there's trouble. In our fallen state, it's like we need evil. We need obstacles to help mold us, to help us grow. But if we could do miracles and avoid all those things, then we would never grow. In fact, Paul even says this. Remember how I said earlier that Paul couldn't heal his thorn in the flesh? If you go to, I think it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's what Paul says. He, he, he just talked about visions that he had. Uh, visions of Jesus, which he describes in his conversion on the road to Damascus. I think he also said he was taken to the heavens. Here's what he says. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 10. He says, in order to keep me, 
from becoming conceited. Wow. Stop right there. In order to keep me from becoming conceited, because he had these visions, these experiences, he says this, I was given a thorn in my flesh, flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Stop. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses? Do you do that? I don't. Come on. You're going to boast in weaknesses? So that Christ's power may rest on me? That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Stop. Do you delight in weaknesses? No. No, I don't either. In insults. Stop. Do you like to delight in insults? No, neither do I. In hardships. Stop. Do you delight in hardships? In persecutions? In difficulties? No. No, no, we don't. Imagine. If we had the power to do miracles and avoid all those things, we not only don't rejoice in them, we would positively ensure that these things never happen if we could do miracles. Paul ends it this way. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you see that Paul actually gained uh, a better understanding and he became better by going through difficulty? He gained a better understanding of who Jesus was and he, gained, he, he became more like Jesus by going through difficulty. If we had the power to do miracles, that would all be thwarted. So there's a number of reasons why miracles don't occur more often. Here's another one. Evil would be more difficult to stop if we had the power to do miracles more frequently or they were completely under our control. I mean, one way God stops evil is he... Listen to this, friends. Listen. He kills people. Yeah, he takes his hand away from them and they die. I mean, sometimes... God takes people out directly. Other times he allows them to take themselves out or he allows other people to take them out. I mean, think, imagine, imagine if Hitler, Hitler's henchmen could resurrect him from the dead or Stalin's or any evil person. God stops evil sometimes by just killing people. And it's not murder for God to kill people. He's the creator of life. He can resurrect it. He owns it. He can... He can kill people anytime he wants. Look, if Christianity is true, by the way, people don't die. They just change location, right? They go from this life to the next life. And it's up to God when that happens. God is authorized to take us out at any time. Whether we're two years old or 82 years old, that's up to him. Or anywhere in between or on either side. God has the power to do that. Now, if we had the power to resurrect life, then we could resurrect tyrants and evil people. Of course, if miracles occurred more frequently or under our control, our will would be done, but not God's. Imagine that. Again, the prayer. Thy will be done. It's not my will be done. Because God has an overarching plan that we have very little insight into. We can't see how it all unfolds, how it all works together, but God can. In fact, we'll talk 
about that right after the break. You're listening to Cross-Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Our website, again, is crossexamined.org. So we're back in just a couple of minutes. See you then. Miracles! Why don't they occur more often? You're listening to Cross-Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Crossexamined.org is the website. Crossexamined.org on Facebook. By the way, uh, you can also sign up on our website for one video a week. We send one short Q&A video, normally from a college campus, to your email box. Just one a week. We don't give your email address to anybody else. One little video that you can share with others. And By the way, it's, it's a good way to get people interested in Christianity. and and Because, uh, you know, Q&A is always interesting because there's some perceived confrontation that might happen, so people will watch a Q&A video. I've noticed that if you send somebody a 40-minute video, they won't watch it. They won't watch it. But if you send them a four-minute Q&A video, they'll watch that. So you can sign up for our, our one email a month if you go to crossexamine.org and click on subscribe right there on the right side, all the way to the right of the, of the page the menu across the top. And uh, we don't give your email address to anybody else, but you will keep informed uh, as to these Q&As and some other things we got going. We have some, some online courses coming up. We've There's a number of online courses you can take already. There, If you click on online courses on our website, it'll take you over to reasonu.com and you can see these courses. Uh, Stealing from God is up there. Why I Still Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist is up there. A course from Gary Habermas on the resurrection. There's nobody better in the universe than to teach on the resurrection than Gary. There's a great course on New Testament research and criticism. You know, how do we know the New Testament documents are reliable? That's that's by uh, Dan Wallace. That's up there. How do we know the Gospels are reliable? That's Craig Blomberg. That's on there. We've got this new course coming out from Michael Patton, Introduction to Theology. You ever want to really know the basics of theology? You can take that. In fact, that course is going to be live here in a few weeks uh, where you can actually interact online with uh, Michael Patton, who is a his degree from Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, when you take the premium version of the course. In other words, you interact with the instructors. It's not just you're watching video. You can interact with the instructors if you take the premium versions of, of these courses. So there's a lot that you can get at crossexamined.org. So check all that out, crossexamined.org. We're talking about the issue of miracles. Why don't they occur more frequently? And we went through a number of reasons why they don't occur more frequently. Let's continue our discussion. We also said that uh, just before the break that our will would be done more than God's if, if we had control over miracles. Again, God has the big picture. He can see how everything works together for his plan, for his glory. He can see how it all fits together. We can't. This is why, by the way, when we talk about the issue of evil, and I talk about this at length in the book Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. Uh, If you check out Stealing from God, the chapter on evil, we talk about something called the ripple effect. I've described it before on this show, and that is, is that every event that occurs today ripples forward into the future to affect trillions of other events. We can't see how one event affects other events. But of course God can, because he's outside of time and he can see the end from the beginning. We can't. So you might ask a question, why would 
God allows somebody like Nabil Qureshi, the gentleman I brought up earlier, the former Muslim who became a Christian and wrote some wonderful books on Christianity. One of them is called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Why would he not heal Nabil of stomach cancer a year ago? Well, one of the reasons could be of the ripple effect. We can't, we don't know why, but we know why we don't know why. We're finite, God's infinite. He can see the end from the beginning. He can see how Nabil's death occurring sooner than we would like it to occur, can ripple forward into the future to bring maybe more people to Christ than otherwise, or to make more people become like Jesus than otherwise. Maybe that death ripples forward to affect a number of other events that ultimately call, partially cause a great evangelist to rise up 500 years from now who saves Millions of people. We can't see how that ripple goes forward, but God can. So we trust God for that. If we had the power to do miracles, completely had the power to do miracles anytime we wanted to, we could thwart God's plan. Which would mean that God would be our butler rather than God. Hey, God, whatever we want, that's what happens. Again, it's thy will be done, not my will be done. Another reason miracles don't occur more frequently is because a love relationship with God would be much more unlikely. What what do you mean? Well, because we'd cling more to this world. If we could do miracles and make ourselves prosperous and healthy and happy all the time, what would happen to us? C.S. Lewis had great insight on this. In the Screwtape Letters, he says this. Now, by the way, Whenever you read the screw tape letters, if you're not familiar with them, screw tape letters are letters written by a senior demon to a junior demon on how to tempt uh, people. So everything is inverted um, when you read the screw tape letters. I'll explain what I mean by that as I read this quote. But here's what Lewis said. He said, prosperity knits a man to the world. Okay, stop right there. Isn't that great the way he said that? Prosperity knits a man to the world. What's he mean by that? That the more prosperous you get, the more comfortable you get with the world and the world's ways, and you just want to maintain your comfort, and you don't want to sacrifice for Jesus. Here's, here's the rest of the quote. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it. Finding his place in the world, in other words. While really it is finding its place in him. What a great turn of a phrase. Let me read that again. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it while really it is finding its place in him. The world is finding its place in the person who's prosperous. Lewis continues. His increasing reputation, his widening circle of acquaintances, his sense of importance, the growing pressure of absorbing an agreeable work build up in him a sense of being really at home on earth which is just what we want. Okay, here's the reversal. We, remember it's one demon talking to another demon. We want people to get prosperous if this prosperity is going to cause them to be knitted more to the world rather than God. That's the point. Lewis continues, you will notice that the young are generally less unwilling to die than the middle-aged and the old. Yeah, the more knitted you are to the world, the less you're willing to sacrifice. The less you're willing to step out for Christ. 
Now, if we had the power to do miracles, we had the power to make ourselves prosperous and healthy and wealthy all the time, we would be less interested in God for who he is and more interested in what he gives us. Hey, God, give me this, give me that. Be my cosmic candy, man. If we had the power to do miracles, if they occurred more frequently, I think we'd be more knit, knitted to this world and we would be less able to truly become like Christ. Look, Christ had the power to do miracles. And a lot of times he didn't. He certainly didn't do them to save himself. He certainly didn't do them to save his disciples. So what does that say about us? We want the power to do miracles, but we can't be trusted with it. <laughs> Why? Because if we, we did do them, it would be all about us. Now, let me go through those again. If miracles were under our control or occurred more frequently, we consider them natural events. The resurrection of Christ would be ignored. Few would die and graduate to heaven. Many choices wouldn't have consequences. We'd be even more selfish and entitled. Our personal and moral growth would be thwarted. Evil would be more difficult to stop. Our will would be done, but not God's will. God would be our butler rather than God. And a love relationship with God would be much more unlikely because we'd cling more to this world than God. And of course, again, we have to point out, this is not heaven yet. So what should our focus be? Miracles or something else? Well, you know, Jesus sent out the 72 to evangelize the towns there in the area. And here's what he said when they came back. This is from Luke chapter 10. He said, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. What did Jesus say? Great. Okay, good. That's all that it, that's all that. It's concerned about as long as the demons did what you wanted them to do, everything's good. No, he said this. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, however, do not rejoice that the spirits, the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, what's the most important thing? The most important thing is that your names are written in heaven, not that you can do miracles. Because miracles or signs point to something else. They point to, they point to God's glorious nature. They point to God working through prophets or they point to God's message. That's the reason miracles occur. The miracles themselves aren't the issue. It's what they point to. And the most important thing is that your names are written in heaven. I submit to you that if you had the power to do miracles more often, or they were completely under your control, your name might not be written in heaven. You'd have your name written firmly on earth. You'd be more concerned about maintaining the gravy train you had here than you'd be about being reconciled to God. And that's what all the miracles are supposed to point you to, how to be reconciled to God. They're not for our own creature comfort here on earth. They're there to point to something else. So there's a number of reasons, friends, why miracles don't occur today. And by the way, we're doing a TV series on this. If you want to learn more about that, check out our TV series uh, on 
uh, DirecTV Channel 378. It's also on Roku. It's the NRB TV Network, NRB for National Religious Broadcasters. You can also watch the show streaming live on our website at 9 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights. Also 1 a.m. Eastern if you're an insomniac, really Thursday morning. And you can download our app and watch it there, the Cross-Examined app, two words in the App Store. So do all that, friends, and I'll be back next week. By the way, I never say this. I rarely say it. You know, this is listener-supported radio. If you like this radio program, you can support us at crossexamined.org. That's crossexamined with the D on the end of it, .org. And uh, your proceeds go to put this radio program on and go to college campuses and TV shows and all that. So thanks, friends. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.